then? You wouldn't have to roll up your sleeves for that. Joe glanced at the slightly cracked door, then flexed, making his arm bulge. Sprout's hand couldn't begin to encompass the muscle, but he squeezed what he could, his eyes huge. Mine are going to be just like that someday. Ruffling the boy's hair, Joe chuckled. I imagine they will. Until then, though. You might not want to chop down any more of your mama's trees. They aren't ready for the lumberyard just yet, and I'm not sure how she'd feel about your handling an axe. Then how am I going to learn lumberjacking? Well, maybe your parents will let you come out to my place sometime and help me. His face lit up. Can I go home with you today? Joe chuckled again. No, not today, but... Sprout Roundtree, come here this instant. Burdened some footsteps followed the strident voice until the door to the parlor swung open. A young woman large with child stood at its threshold, her face pinched with anger. Sprout eased back into Joe. What's the matter, Mama? What happened to my... Her eyes went from the boy to the sapling he held in his hand. Oh, no! Placing his hand on Sprout's shoulder, Joe stood. Afternoon, Mrs. Roundtree. She glanced at him. OB's in his office, Mr. Denton. You can go on in. She turned her attention to Sprout. What have you done to my pistachio tree? The boy shrunk at his mother's tone. I harvested it, but I'll put it back if you want. Joe didn't wait for her response. Instead, he picked up his hat and slipped through a connecting door leading to the library and office of Judge Obadiah B. Roundtree. A cloud of tobacco mixed with traces of lemon oil filled the room. Hooking his hat on a hall tree, he clicked the door shut behind him, cutting off the drama unfolding in the parlor. The judge with his back to Joe, scribbled on a piece of parchment while sitting at an ornate mahogany secretary that had come clear around the horn. His white shirt, entirely too big for his small frame, bunched beneath dark suspenders crisscrossing his back. Short black hair surrounded a perfectly circular bald spot. Joe ran a hand over his thick, wavy hair, letting out a silent sigh. Blonde hair like his wasn't apt to fall out, or so he'd heard. Perhaps he was safe. A handsome tan volume of Shakespeare lying on the marble-topped table caught his eye. Was it there for ornamentation, or did the judge actually read it? Joe shifted his weight to the other foot. No more voices came from the parlor. He assumed the missus had taken Sprout to a private place for whatever she had in mind. A robin, with a brick-red breast and white throat, landed on the windowsill, warbling a greeting. Joe caught a whiff of fresh air coming from the window. Spring had a distinctive smell and one he always welcomed. No other spot on God's green earth held such mild and equitable climate as did Seattle from April to November. The bird darted off as quickly as he'd come, and the judge placed his pen in its holder, 
then blotted his writings. You in town to purchase a bride? he asked, still sitting at his desk. I hardly think so, Joe said. A man would have to be pretty desperate to let Asa Mercer choose his bride for him. Standing, the judge turned and clasped Joe's hand. I think it's a grand scheme. I hear he's collected money from almost three hundred men and is hoping to find two hundred more. Well, I won't be one of them. Have a seat, then, and tell me what I can do for you. Joe eased his large frame into a dainty armchair. I have news about my wife's death certificate. Roundtree brightened, settling into the chair facing him. Excellent. Let me have a look at it, and we'll wrap up this whole mess. That's just the thing. I wrote to my...